to Leadership in Crisis podcast. As we all know, this is an unprecedented time of disruption and volatility, with economic activity grinding to a halt in most industries. Transportation companies are trying to adjust to the dynamic market conditions. Recent numbers from Geotap shows commercial transportation in the U.S. and Canada is operating at 89% capacity for heavy trucks, while transportation to grocery stores is at 90%. But thanks to Pfizer and Moderna for getting vaccine to COVID-19, and I'm sure this will improve the status of transportation industry. I know many of you are pondering on the same thoughts, so let's dive in to learn some new innovative ideas from my friend from a transportation organization. How he refined the industry? Let us learn more from him. This is your host. Swami Sri Parambadur and you are listening to Leadership in Crisis and we have invited a special guest, Scott Ellis. Scott is a Corporate VP of Technology of Alexander's Mobility Services. The great brand we all know, Atlas Van Lines is part of the Alexander Group and I personally used it a couple of times when I relocated from Florida to California and California to back to Florida. Alexander Mobility Service is a large relocation and transportation company and was founded in 1953. Primary business lines are residential relocation for private client and large national brand companies, office and industry relocations, storage, hospitality industry, and many more. Scott calls Alabama as his home, but in reality, he was an army dependent who grew up on army posts around the country and also in Europe. He went to college in Connecticut and Florida with a major in math. He worked as a night operator and COBOL programmer right out of the college. He has been in the transportation industry for more than 32 years. Scott, welcome to Leadership in Crisis. I appreciate it, Swami. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you, Scott, for joining with me. I really appreciate it. And we are, want to know more about Alexander's as a company, what it does, because I see so many brands. So before we dive in, so can you give a little bit details about your organization and different brands, what we have been seeing? Sure. So um, we are, as you mentioned, Atlas Van Lines is a large national carrier relocation company, and we are the largest agent by several metrics within the Atlas Van Line world. But Alexander's Mobility Service, as you mentioned, we have kind of four primary lines of business. That is the private relocation. That is if Swami wanted to move from point A to point B and you came to us. That is, uh, the second one is uh, you work for a large national brand, Fortune 500 type of company, let's say, and they want to relocate you. So they reach out to us and we still come in and we pack you, load you, and move you to your, you know, from your old house to your new house. 
And then we have the commercial side of the business. That is uh, large companies or, or any company for that matter uh, in our locations will come to us and say, hey, we're, we're looking to move our offices from point A to point B, or we're on a, we're in a, a sky rise, uh, you know, or a high rise, and we wanna move from the 10th floor to the 20th floor. And then we have the hospitality side, that is hotels and restaurants and things of that nature. Um, and finally, storage. Uh, we have 10, 10 warehouses. We're in, we're in uh, 10 cities, basically, uh, headquartered in it outside of just in Orange County, outside of Los Angeles, a city called Tustin, California. Um, and we're spread out around the country. I happen to sit in our Nashville office, um, but in our industry, where you sit is less important than the logistics of where the trucks are, where the assets are. But our warehouses are in those 10 cities and we have access to hundreds of others that, you know, that we can leverage as needed. But um, great company, uh, great leadership, I believe. Um, and, you know, well known in the industry as a quality first uh, with an outstanding culture. Fantastic. No, I, I can definitely vouch as a customer because I've used multiple times the, I never experienced the professional touch with a warm welcome. And they said when these guys came to my home, you know, Swami, just leave it everything to us. We'll take care. My wife was very much worried. Hey, you know, this is a very fragile item. Can you handle it? He said, ma'am, we'll take care of you. So your guys were very professional, very good. I was very happy. And it is almost every time I see whenever I'm driving on the freeway, so my people start, my uh, kids also started noticing, hey, this is the company which moved us. But suddenly this COVID has hit, this is unprecedented times and the transportation is so critical and everyone has to go to the house or office to move all these things. So as a head of technology of this uh, uh, big transportation company, so how did you, what was your first reaction when you heard about it and how did you guys cope up with it? Yeah, it's a great question, right? And I think it's, I think years from now, people are gonna be doing case studies and writing books and articles and, and coming up with manuals of how you, how you react to something of this scope. Um, <clears throat> I don't think any, there, there's very few people old enough to who could have related to say polio or anything of that nature that just spread like wildfire was a worldwide event uh, that brought a lot of industries to a grinding halt. I, I will tell you when when it first came out from a from a company perspective when we saw that it was going to be more than bluster if you will you know and and overreaction and it became started to become real we as a we as a company used to do a, a monthly management meeting that is our executive team uh, which is made up of myself and and three other executives along with the ceo and then our general managers at all of our locations uh, i'll call that roughly the the management team fuel rather than getting together once a month we were getting together early on three times a week we were meeting monday wednesday friday monday wednesday friday um and we had to start making decisions you know obviously what are we what are we going to do the more serious it got it, interestingly enough you asked because we just did a kind of a look back a couple of weeks ago we took 
we took a timeline of COVID, if you will, and said, well, here is when the first person was known to have it in the U.S. Here's when the president declared an emergency. Here's when the cruise ships, you know, in California were stranded. Mm -hmm. All of those things, and we kind of lined them up with what our business was doing. Um, at the end of the day, our business, even though the people we deal with internally you know, our people who sit at computers do work. At the end of the day, we are still a customer facing business. Just as you mentioned, you moved and people were in your house and trying to give you that professional touch. Um, our, our crews are walking into people's residences and they're walking into people's place of business. And it changed that dynamic completely. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's things that we never took for granted. You know, obviously in the past, you'd say if a guy's got the flu, you know, don't come to work. Now, all of a sudden, people are potentially carrying something that you can't see, you can't hear, you yeah. can't tell until it's there, right? So our guys are customer facing, they're, they're, they're talking to your wife, your children, or your husband, whatever the case may be. They're walking in and talking to your employees. And so we had to, we really had to, to be agile in what we did on the front line with those drivers. You know, we've got whatever, you know, a couple hundred drivers, all these trucks, the business dipped incredibly. And when we lined up this timeline, we could literally see how the market reacted to the news. So uh, president, president declares an emergency, our business dropped drastically. People weren't wanting to move at that moment. Things looked a little optimistic. It took off again. And in this industry, the relocation industry is the, the busiest season is when school's not in. Yeah. So you kind of go from the middle of May to the middle of September. Well, that's when COVID was at its worst. And so our peak season was really impacted by by the fear, if you will, or the or the precaution that everybody had to take and people weren't moving and all of those things. And then, you know, internally we had to make decisions. What do we do with our employees? You know, do we who works who stays coming into the office and, and who goes out? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, I think uh, you mentioned uh, in some other countries, it was a lockdown, like in, in India and Europe, other places, it was a fully lockdown, no people were allowed, even though it was not really a lockdown, but people are themselves locked down um, uh, at homes, right? So you mentioned that, you know, the middle of May to middle of September is really big, everybody was at home. We have not even gone out of the house at all, even all the groceries and everything were coming. But good thing was the industry was there, like, you know, there is a still some transportation was there in the delivery. So what was the first um, step you took to bring back to the business? So did you wait for the business to come or did you do anything different? Or did you redefine yourself in the business to get more business? You know, um, it's a great question. We. We took a step back, like I said, as a management team, we shifted our focus mm -hmm. and uh, we we met and we talked about, OK, what are we going to do if this happens and what are we going to do? We started thinking, tried to be a little forward thinking. I'm very fortunate. We've got a great group of leaders in our company, the general managers and the executive team and and the CEO of the company, very forward thinking to say, OK, we, we would normally be at this level doing business. Right now, the business is here. What decisions do we have to make and how do we move forward? And, uh, you know, we 
Part of it is being, you know, proactive and saying, what do we need to do to continue to, to have the have the crews be where they need to be, have the customers feel safe with the crews being in their house or in their business. And then, you know, on the backside, how do we do it so that the internal teams, the administrative teams, the accounting team and, and the safety team and the payables and operations and IT, all of those things continue to work seamlessly uh, without a big hiccup. So, you know, we pushed out roughly, you know, call it 300 employees uh, without, you know, I'm not going to say we didn't see it coming, but obviously we did not anticipate having to push 300 people to home. And that brings in a whole other group of decisions. So, and I'm sure every person in my role, you know, who's head of a technology or IT area mm -hmm. had to recognize these. Okay, uh, do you allow someone to work on their personal computer to get behind your firewall uh, in your business? Anybody in the cybersecurity world would light their hair on fire to keep that from happening, right? I mean, that's just the reality of the world. We know that cyber attacks, malware, phishing, ransom, fake ransom, all of those things became at an all time high and only continued to grow. So we had decisions to make internally about how do we do that? So do we allow them to use their work equipment and take it home? Sounds like an easy decision, yeah. um, but for us, it was a pretty robust debate. And you know, for me, I fell on the side of, I felt much better about the the logistic hassle of getting their work equipment to their house mm -hmm. i felt better about that knowing that it had our security on it had our software we could monitor than it was saying that you know swami already has a laptop at his home i'll just let him use that to get into our systems you know i was that was kind of not my line in the sand but that was my stance and i think our executive team our management team we ended up agreeing on it that's how we did it so people worked from home with their with their with their work equipment um, and knock on wood, I'm trying to find more wood here. You know, it, it worked out pretty well for us, and I was incredibly proud of our team, our IT team. We drafted people into the team that had some technical abilities. At each office, we have an administrative person that reports directly to the general manager. They have a certain amount of technical skill just by the nature of their job. Mm -hmm. um, they were a great asset to us. So we managed to push out, you know, call it 350 people or so. We did it in the course of about three days. Uh, and in the course of five days, we were, uh, for the lack of a better phrase, we were 100%, uh, you know, up and running. You know, you have little things like being able to get into the phone system so that when you call the caller ID is right or when a call comes in, you know, and we had to ramp up the number of VPNs for some of that stuff. We had to, we had to make sure obviously all of the equipment had the most recent patches, security updates, things of that nature. But um, my team worked around the clock. I will tell you that for about three or four days. Uh, because suddenly every employee that pushed from home had something that they needed direct help with and they could not do their job yeah. until that was corrected. So it became a 24-7 job. I, I couldn't have been happier with, with our team, my team mm -hmm. and our company as a whole, kind of the proactive decisions we made. Now you said, you know, it was a great uh, inspirational story that, you know, some of the people who had not even 
from your department but they came out of other departments rose up to the occasion and then they started helping and as an organization as a one team you all really solved the problem but uh, as an executive management you said you know you have a fantastic team so what did you guys do to motivate your employees how did they always get motivated because they were not only working um with all this tension about the covid in their families or other places what is going on in the news but on top of it the work pressure because they have to do it otherwise business is going to be a disruptive or loss and also they have to work more number of hours than what they were doing so how did yeah. you motivate all of that you know i i guess i'm lucky right i'm just I, i'm lucky in this regard that I didn't have to motivate my team and the and the people within our company. There's a we are a company that is is founded on quality principles. We've been ISO certified for 25 plus years. In our industry there's not a lot of people that go through the effort to do that where it's all based on quality and metrics and mm-hmm. just a real pride in the brand and and wanting to do the right thing. And so my team I didn't have to motivate them. Um if anything I had to tell them look you we can't solve all the problems in 10 minutes. We've sure. got to be strategic. So we meet as a group and say okay, here are the next 10 things. We would get together over the course of a 3 or 4 days. Mm-hmm. My team and I were getting on, you know, Teams or Zoom and we were we were meeting every couple of hours to say okay, where are we? What's your primary concern? Uh where are we at on this branch or that department trying to strategize and prioritize the fact that we have stuff on the west coast in baltimore i'm sorry on the east coast in baltimore and on the west coast up and down california and oregon and whatnot and then in the middle of the country well obviously you got to prioritize it the people who are there at 7:00 in the morning on the east coast have to be up and running before the people in in california who are coming to work in 3 hours so I was very fortunate, very lucky that that my people have a lot of personal pride in the job that they do. So that part of it was easy. Mm-hmm. Um I would say the the difficult part was was not overpromising and then underperforming. Yeah. So I'm all about at least in my areas, you know, in my teams, I'm all about setting proper um expectations expectations yeah management don't, don't say you're going to do something by 3 o'clock if you can't do it by 3 o'clock if if it's going to take you till 6 o'clock then it's going to take till 6 o'clock and set the proper expectations and so my my group knows that my teams know that the different areas not just IT it's quality it's training all of those things you know it's it's set the proper expectations say you're going to do something do what you say and then follow through and as far as the people who came in and helped same thing uh the people that work at our offices are are extremely dedicated to our company and the brand and so those office administrators jumped in and said what can i do to help well honestly you can go over there and you you can help you know this person over there break down their computer make sure they've got their mouse make sure that make sure that they know when they when they get home they've got to log into the VPN before they log into anything you know kind of the some of the things that were you know you could kind of bullet point mm-hmm. they really they really ran with it you know and our general even even our general manager you know i tell people that come to work for me in IT that uh that 
there are two things that I've got. I think I'm an easy guy to work for and easy guy to work with, but I've got a couple of very firm, you know, kind of hard rules. One is uh, your job is whatever you need to do at that moment for the company. So there, we, we are very much a company founded on anti, that's not my job. Right? So my IT guys know that sometimes they're going to have to go out of their way and they're going to work outside the, the general or the norms or parameters of IT. You know, I tell them you're really, you know, you work in IT, but you're really customer service. You just happen to be your customers are our internal users and occasionally our external customers who need access to our systems. So there's, there's, you know, we're a customer service department in the IT world. And then there is uh, the it's not my job syndrome doesn't exist within our company. We just, you know, it's uh, from a culture standpoint, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for us as a whole. We do whatever we have to do. We have a couple of sayings in our company. We do whatever it takes, you know. Um, no, I think you have a fantastic mantra. That I like that ante, it's not my job syndrome. So I, <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a great it is like you know almost like everybody is into in the war zone right you know when this pandemic attack so we are all one you can't say that okay i'm only doing this i cannot do this then you are chopped off in the war you have to fight the battle uh, for a good reason and as a collectively so I, I definitely appreciate so one thing as you guys have done so many different things and you have really transformed the industry so if you want to name out what is the innovation piece of it, you can think about it. What What is the innovation to you in this whole journey? You know, um, it's interesting. So, and I say this having been in this industry for, you know, 30 plus years now, but the relocation, moving and storage industry is, has never really been on the forefront of technology. I mean, it's a lot of the stuff that happens in the transportation industry is not a lot different than it was in the 1940s or 50s. Obviously, equipment changes, you know, and, and, and the internet and things of that nature. But as a whole, the relocation moving industry, I think for a long time was, was, was kind of slow to react uh, to changes. And uh, I love the fact that in our company, that's not acceptable. We, we want technological advances. We want efficiency gains. We want things we can measure because we have this belief if, if you can measure it, you can get better at it. I know a lot of companies use that. We believe it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if so internally, the transportation industry over the last three years has changed pretty drastically as a whole uh, to the point where if you're a commercial operator, if you're operating a commercial vehicle, I should say, your logging of your your mile how, how much did you work today how far did you go that's all done electronically now and that's law so december of 2017 i guess now has been a couple of years that became a law that if you operate operate a commercial vehicle so obviously we're driving you know 54 foot long uh tractor trailers or you know total you know 73 feet 72 feet vehicles, if you will, that can have up to 79,000 pounds. Obviously, there's a safety aspect of that that is, uh, that is, you know, first and foremost on our list, safety first. And, uh, you know, the safety of our, our 
guys who are operating the vehicles, the safety of other people on the road, the safety of our customers in their homes and their offices. That is, excuse me, that is first and foremost on our list. So the electronic logging came in, but the things that are exciting for me to see is now, you know, you, you mentioned that you've moved a couple of times. Anybody who's moved, so you mentioned that I grew up in the military. I, can't, I don't know how many times I moved as a kid, but uh, the experience I had when I was 18, at, you know, or 17, the last time we moved before I went off to college, and the experience when I was five was no really no different. <laughs> a million stickers, a lot of handwritten pages, and slowly but surely that's changing, and we as a company, uh, I feel like are, are really pushing it. So now, we are largely paperless on the on the customer on the customer facing end. So when we're in your house, uh, we don't want you to have to sign a piece of paper 20 times. We want, we're we're going to hand you a tablet and have you sign once and acknowledge that it's for these pages. We want to be able to email it to you when when you're moving, and we first uh, speak to you. The first thing we have to do is gauge. You know what is what is the volume of your house you know how much does it weigh how much of a truck is it going to take up is it going to take more than a truck and so we have to go in and do a survey all of that is electronic now so where a lot of the stuff that was manual before uh is now electronic so covid one thing that we were uh, fortunate is not the right word. I will say that we were forward looking. We had already started down the path of, of the electronic survey. That is not having to come to your house in order to determine what's in there in order to then plan it and move it. Instead, we had a tool in place that we had started to roll out a couple of months prior to that oh. that allows you to do it from your phone. And then we analyze, it's, it's, a, you know, it's an app on your phone that we're able then to say, okay, uh, Swami has 10,000 pounds and he has this many TVs and a washer and dryer and all these things that go into moving. It's, it's a pretty complex business that sounds simple on the surface, but if you want to do it right, it's, it's you know, it, it's not easy and you've got to have the right people doing it. So we were in a position having this tool that when COVID came, we were, you know, um, whether it was a matter of good luck, looking forward, or just being strategic, we had a solution in place to react to that part of it immediately. All we had to do was ramp it up. Wow, so you are kind of, a, even though you don't know about it, but you kind of are prepared uh, for this kind of a situation because you already have the application you are really rolling out. So that forward looking really helped you in this situation became a fortune for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I, I think in our industry, um, and I assume this is the same for a lot of industries, but in our industry, uh, I don't think it'll ever go back to the way it was. So if the new norm was, you know, if the, if, if the, the previous norm was up here on a chart, the new norm's never going to come right back where it was. It's always going to be a little below it as far as some of the things we do. So I think those virtual tools that we use for surveying, for, for uh, looking at your house and and doing quality stops, we're, we're big on the quality aspect. So we come, when, when you're moving, there's a good chance that somebody else from our team is going to be there for an hour just observing to making sure make sure that we're hitting certain milestones we're checking the box for our quality standards to make sure that you know that guys are in uniform and and it's everybody everything's being done at a the professional level that we that we set the standard at and we we expect so we send in these quality well now we're able to do those kind of virtually i think 
once, as you mentioned, the vaccine, once that happens and, and we get past this, I still think in, in my industry, in our industry, some of those things will never go back the way they were. I think some of those, some of those changes we made will continue into the future and not stop. Absolutely. I think many industries are rediscovering and some of the changes, even though because of the COVID has been changed, that may become a new standards and people have also been adopted since last 10 months. Many different things are happening. So the habituations are changing for the people. So this may become a standard. So how is uh, from the uh, company point of view, now as the vaccines hopefully will be soon coming to all the people in the next couple of months, depending upon the state and federal rollout. But how, what is that you are planning for 2021 from the company? What is the roadmap looking for you? Any new things are coming up for you? Or? Well, we, you know, the as I mentioned, we kind of started this thing where we started meeting three times a week. And, you know, from our top-down leadership, from the CEO down, uh, it is all about being proactive to gauge what's going to happen and then being able to react to the curveball that comes your way because i think anybody from a business perspective anybody who says uh, that they could see everything coming that happened or that they can see everything that's coming in the future i think is is kidding themselves a little bit or their industry lends itself to that i can tell you that's not our industry our industry is largely dependent upon the trust of our consumers you know our customers whether that is whether that is swami who is looking to move his house or whether that is a large fortune 500 company looking to relocate their 10 buildings at our corporate headquarters um, there's a great unknown out there. All we can do as a company is be strategic, be, uh, and not, you know, not be wishy-washy, make a decision. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to move forward. It's the right decision. We charge down that path. If we find that there is a, uh, a hurdle or a challenge in that decision we make, then we address it and we adapt. And as a, as a company, I think that has served as well. We, it's it's that very odd dynamic of being uh, being firm but flexible, which seems to be counterintuitive, but firmly commit to a path, and then be flexible enough to know that you've got to change it if you've got to change it. But until something tells you to change it, this is the path we've decided on. This is the path we're going down, and and just move forward with it. I don't think any of us know what the future is going to hold, you know, as far, no, as, as, far as this as far as this pandemic is concerned and the long term uh, impact to businesses across the board. Um, I know I think we're as well prepared for it as any in our industry, though. I, I, I strongly believe that we've got the right group of people and maybe more importantly, we've got the right we've got the right customer facing people. That is our customer service people talking to you on the phone and the guys who show up in your house. We've got, I think, the right the right mix for it. Excellent. No, I think you're right on because as a leader, in respect of the industry, as a leader, you are driving the organization in unknown areas. So you have to go with a strategic plan. And obviously, because it is unknown areas, you may encounter something. So you have to be flexible enough to fix those things, maneuver them and move along because you have to lead the organization from the front. 
so saying that a couple of uh, um, uh, ending questions so from the technology point of view is this uh, helping you to do any of the new tools like iot or ar or vr any of the new technologies you are thinking or you already have well we so over the last i'd say four years we kind of shifted quite a bit technically um you know just happenstance, right? As as servers became kind of end of life, we had already started to move to the cloud more and more like most companies are. And like any guy who runs a, a, a technology department for a large business, there are days that I curse the cloud and there are days that I love the cloud, right? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> we, I think we all, all of us who, who live in this, you know, kind of live in this world of having to deal with the technology day to day, um, can if this was high school debate, we could argue both sides. Why is the cloud great, and why why does the cloud the ruin of my of my life? Right, it is what it is. Um, so we already most of our most of our applications already live in the cloud. We use you know um, not gonna not gonna drop name brands or, or anything like that, but we are cloud based. You know, like everybody else, we use VMs. We've got. We, we put an enormous effort into security. I think anybody who lives in this world now who has a certain amount of responsibility knows that hacking, phishing, ransomware, um, any kind of malicious malicious attempts are at an astronomical high. Yep. You know, obviously it's Christmas. It always ramps up at Christmas. Um, but it is, it is, you know, what keeps a lot of us up awake at night. You know, you, you go to bed at night and you, you say, hey, how did the day go? And I'm gonna be ready for tomorrow. And the center of those internal conversation or external conversation departments, invariably these days uh, are around security. Yeah. And the ability to keep our keep our data safe, keep our keep our employees safe. Um, all of those things are are first world things. And uh, you know, for us, I, I feel like we're in a good position. My my team works hard. We tell our employees that we have this tool and this tool and this tool to protect our systems. But at the end of the day, the mm -hmm. single best tool we have is the employee. That if you get it, if, if you get an email as an employee from someone that you don't know, you should question it. If you get an email from someone you you deal with and it doesn't read right to you or doesn't sound right, you should question it. And the number of of emails that we're trapping right now is as malicious attempts off the charts. I mean, fully fit, you know, just just fully off the charts how how and and i don't have to tell you or yeah. anybody listening to this that deals with security they're unrelenting they yeah. never give up and and i you know i don't want to use a an overuse you know kind of scenario here but we've got to be right every time they've only <laughs> got to be right once you know it's a, for them it's a numbers game you yeah. know if, if they try something a thousand times and it works and it doesn't work 990 times, it still worked 10, and that 10 can be the ruin of, of you know, yeah. a company. You know, I just saw the other day, I don't know if you saw this, but where a very large, well-known tech company mm -hmm. got got taken for a million dollars. Yeah, on, on, an imper, on an impersonation attempt where, where someone got an email that looked like it was coming from an executive that yep. said, wire $990,000, and they did it. 
and they didn't know it for for seven days so you know we've got to be right all the time they, they've only got to be right once and and so my you know my team is is big on that but at the end of the day end users are the are the most important tool you've got because somebody makes a bad decision no tool in the world can stop them from doing it absolutely no i think uh, it's a constant battle it's a constant evolution it's a constant innovation and more importantly as you rightly said employees are our assets and we need to keep them training in the right direction and we need to share all the information so it's a constant communication constant evolution constant innovation so again uh, thank you so much um, scott for giving a valuable information in this transportation industry and sharing all your journey how this has been evolved and how you are leading from the front so thanks for giving some solid tips on this industry and i wish you good luck i think the happy holidays and happy christmas advance new year i hope the business will grow big for you in this i really love atlas van lines and if i always get a chance to move again i will use your definitely atlas van lines so thank you so much scott no no problem if i can ever help anybody i mean feel free to reach out to me i love i love uh, the networking aspect of kind of the business that you and I live in a little bit, the camaraderie and and trying to help each other out. But alexanders.net is our website. And if there's anything we can do to help you on a service side, if there's anything I can do to help the audience, you know, uh, you know, just bouncing ideas off, I think that's how we all get better and, and, and stronger moving forward. Thanks, Swami. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Have a nice uh, week uh, day affair. Thank you. You too. Bye.